Thank you for listening to this free audiobook created by Project Gutenberg and Microsoft AI. To learn more about the project or give feedback on the quality of a recording, please visit aka.ms/audiobook. Macbeth by William Shakespeare. Scene I: An open place. Thunder and lightning. Enter three witches. Witches. First witch. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? Second witch. When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won. Third witch. That will be ere the set of sun. First witch. Where the place? Second witch. Upon the heath. Third witch. There to meet with Macbeth. First witch. I come, Grey Malkin. Second witch. Paddock calls. Third witch. Anon. All. Fair is foul, and foul is fair, hover through the fog and filthy air. Exit. Scene two. A camp near Fores. A larum within. Enter King Duncan, Malcolm, Denalbin, Lennox, with attendants, meeting a bleeding captain. King Duncan, Malcolm, Denalbin, Lennox. Captain? Duncan. What bloody man is that? He can report, as seemeth by his plight of the revolt the newest state. Malcolm. This is the sergeant who, like a good and hardy soldier, fought gainst my captivity. Hail, brave friend. Say to the king the knowledge of the broil as thou didst leave it. Soldier. Doubtful it stood, as two spent swimmers that do cling together and choke their art. The merciless Mackenwald, worthy to be a rebel, for to that the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him from the western isles of kerns and galloblasses is supplied, and fortune, on his damned quarrel smiling, showed like a rebel's whore. But all's too weak, for brave Macbeth, while he deserves that name, disdaining fortune, with his brandished steel, which smocked with bloody execution, like valor's minion, carved out his passage, till he effaced the slave, which ne'er shook hands, nor bade farewell to him, till he unseamed him from the knave to the chops, and fixed his head upon our battlements. Duncan. O valiant cousin! Worthy gentleman! Soldier. As whence the sun gins his reflection shipwracking storms and direful thunders break, so from that spring, whence comforts seem to come discomfort swells. Mark, king of Scotland, Mark, no sooner justice had, with valor armed, compelled these skipping kerns to trust their heels, but the Norwayan lord, surveying vantage, with furbished arms and new supplies of men, began a fresh assault. Duncan. Dismayed not this our captains, Macbeth and Banquo? Soldier. Yes, as sparrows eagles, or the hare the lion. If I say sooth, I must report they were as cannons overcharged with double cracks, so they doubly redoubled strokes upon the foe, except they meant to bathe in reeking wounds, or memorize another Golgotha. I cannot tell, but I am faint, my gashes cry for help. Duncan. So well thy words become thee as thy wounds, they smack of honor both dot. Go, get him surgeons. Exit captain attended. Captain. Enter Ross and Angus. Ross. Angus. Who comes here? Malcolm. The worthy thane of Ross. Lennox. What a haste looks through his eyes. So should he look that seems to speak things strange. Ross. God save the king. Duncan. Whence camest thou, worthy thane? Ross. 
From Fife, Great King, where the Norwayan banners flout the sky and fan our people cold. Norway himself, with terrible numbers, assisted by that most disloyal traitor, the Thane of Cawdor, began a dismal conflict, till that Bologna's bridegroom, lapped in proof, confronted him with self-comparisons, point against point, rebellious arm gainst arm, curbing his lavish spirit, and to conclude, the victory fell on us. Duncan. Great happiness. Ross. That now Sweno, the Norway's king, craves composition, nor would we deign him burial of his men till he dispersed that St. Com's inch ten thousand dollars to our general use. Duncan. No more that Thane of Cotter shall deceive our bosom interest. Go pronounce his present death, and with his former title greet Macbeth. Ross. I'll see it done. Duncan. What he hath lost, noble Macbeth hath won. Exeunt. Scene 3. A heath. Thunder. Enter the three witches. Witches. First witch. Where hast thou been, sister? Second witch. Killing swine. Third witch. Sister, where thou? First witch. A sailor's wife had chestnuts in her lap, and mounched, and mounched, and mounched. Give me, quoth I. Aroint thee, witch! The rump-fed Ranyan cries. Her husband's to Aleppo gone, master O.T.H. Tiger, but in a sieve I'll do the sail, and like a rat without a tail, I'll do, I'll do, and I'll do. Second witch. I'll give thee a wind. First witch. T.H. art kind. Third witch. And I another. First witch. I myself have all the other, and the very ports they blow, all the quarters that they know I the shipman's card. I will drain him dry as hay. Sleep shall neither night nor day hang upon his penthouse lid. He shall live a man forbid. Weary seven nights nine times nine, shall he dwindle, peak, and pine, though his bark cannot be lost, yet it shall be tempest-tossed. Look what I have. Second witch. Show me, show me. First witch. Here I have a pilot's thumb, racked as homeward he did come. Drum within. Third witch. A drum, a drum. Macbeth doth come. All. The weird sisters, hand in hand, posters of the sea and land, thus do go about, about, thrice to thine, and thrice to mine, and thrice again, to make up nine. Peace, the charms wound up. Enter Macbeth and Banquo. Macbeth. Banquo. Macbeth. So foul and fair a day I have not seen. Banquo. How far is called to Fores? What are these, so withered, and so wild in their attire, that look not like the inhabitants of th earth, and yet are aunt? Live you? Or are you aught that man may question? You seem to understand me, by each at once her choppy finger laying upon her skinny lips. You should be women, and yet your beards forbid me to interpret that you are so. Macbeth. Speak if you can, what are you? First witch. All hail, Macbeth. Hail to thee. Thane of Glamis. Second witch. All hail, Macbeth. Hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor. Third witch. All hail, Macbeth. That shalt be king hereafter. Banquo. Good sir, why do you start and seem to fear things that do sound so fair? I-th name of truth, are ye fantastical, or that indeed which outwardly ye show? My noble partner you greet with present grace and great prediction of noble having and of royal hope, 
that he seems wrapped with all. To me you speak not. If you can look into the seeds of time, and say which grain will grow, and which will not, speak then to me, who either beg nor fear your favors nor your hate. First which. Hail. Second which. Hail. Third which. Hail. First which. Lesser than Macbeth, and greater. Second which. Not so happy yet much happier. Third which. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none, so all hail, Macbeth and Banquo. First which. Banquo and Macbeth, all hail, Macbeth. Stay, you imperfect speakers, tell me more. By Sinnel's death I know I am Thane of Glamis, but how of Cotter? The Thane of Cotter lives, a prosperous gentleman, and to be king stands not within the prospect of belief, no more than to be Cotter. Say from whence you owe this strange intelligence? Or why upon this blasted heath you stop our way with such prophetic greeting? Speak, I charge you. Witches vanish. Witches. Banquo. The earth hath bubbles, as the water has, and these are of them. Whither are they vanished? Macbeth. Into the air, and what seemed corporal, melted as breath into the wind. Would they had stayed? Banquo. Were such things here as we do speak about? Or have we eaten on the insane root that takes the reason prisoner? Macbeth. Your children shall be kings. Banquo. You shall be king. Macbeth. And Thane of Cotter too, when it not so? Banquo. To the selfsame tune and words. Who's here? Enter Ross and Angus. Ross. Angus. Ross. The king hath happily received, Macbeth, the news of thy success, and when he reads thy personal venture in the rebels' fight, his wonders and his praises do contend which should be thine or his. Silent with that, in viewing o'er the rest o' th self same day, he finds thee in the stout Norway in ranks, nothing afeard of what thyself didst make, strange images of death. As thick as tale came post with post, and everyone did bear thy praises in his kingdom's great defense, and poured them down before him. Angus. We are sent to give thee from our royal master thanks, only to herald thee into his sight, not pay thee. Ross. And for an earnest of a greater honor, he bade me, from him, call thee Thane of Cotter, in which addition, hail, most worthy Thane, for it is thine. Banquo. What, can the devil speak true? Macbeth. The Thane of Cotter lives, why do you dress me in borrowed robes? Angus. Who was the Thane lives yet, but under heavy judgment bears that life which he deserves to lose? Whether he was combined with those of Norway or did line the rebel with hidden help and vantage, or that with both he labored in his country's rack, I know not, but treason's capital, confessed and proved, have overthrown him. Macbeth. Aside, Glamis, and Thane of Cotter, the greatest is behind. To Ross and Angus, thanks for your pains. To Banquo, do you not hope your children shall be kings, when those that gave the Thane of Cotter to me promise no less to them? Banquo that, trusted home, might yet enkindle you unto the crown, besides the thane of Cotter. But tis strange, and oftentimes to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles, to be traced in deepest consequence. Cousins, a word I pray you. Macbeth. Aside, two truths are told, as happy prologues to the swelling act of the imperial theme. 
I thank you, gentlemen. Aside, this supernatural soliciting cannot be ill, cannot be good. If ill, why hath it given me earnest of success commencing in a truth? I am fain of Carter. If good, why do I yield to that suggestion whose horrid image doth unfix my hair, and make my seated heart knock at my ribs against the use of nature? Present fears are less than horrible imaginings. My thought, whose murder yet is but fantastical, shakes so my single state of man that function is smothered in surmise, and nothing is but what is not. Banquo. Look, how our partners rapt. Macbeth. Aside, if chance will have me king, why, chance may crown me without my stir. Banquo. New honors come upon him, like our strange garments, cleave not to their mold but with the aid of use. Macbeth. Aside, come what come may, time and the hour runs through the roughest day. Banquo. Worthy Macbeth, we stay upon your leisure. Macbeth. Give me your favor. My dull brain was wrought with things forgotten. Kind gentlemen, your pains are registered where every day I turn the leaf to read them. Let us toward the king. Think upon what hath chanked, and at more time, the interim having waited, let us speak our free hearts each to other. Banquo. Very gladly. Macbeth. Till then, enough. Come, friends. Exeunt. Scene 4. Fores. A room in the palace. Flourish. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Denalbin, Lennox and attendants. Duncan, Malcolm, Denalbin, Lennox. Duncan. Is execution done on Carter? Are not those in commission yet returned? Malcolm. My liege, they are not yet come back. But I have spoke with one that saw him die, who did report, that very frankly he confessed his treasons, implored your highness pardon, and set forth a deep repentance. Nothing in his life became him like the leaving it. He died as one that had been studied in his death, to throw away the dearest thing he owed as twere a careless trifle. Duncan. There's no art to find the mind's construction in the face. He was a gentleman on whom I built an absolute trust. Enter Macbeth, Banquo, Ross and Angus. Macbeth, Banquo, Ross. Angus. O worthiest cousin! The sin of my ingratitude even now was heavy on me. Thou art so far before, that swiftest wing of recompense is slow to overtake thee. Would thou hadst less deserved, that the proportion both of thanks and payment might have been mine. Only I have left to say, more is thy due than more than all can pay. Macbeth. The service and the loyalty I owe, in doing it, pays itself. Your highness part is to receive our duties and our duties are to your throne and state, children and servants, which do but what they should, by doing everything safe toward your love and honor. Duncan. Welcome hither, I have begun to plant thee, and will labor to make thee full of growing dot, noble Banquo, that hast no less deserved, nor must be known no less to have done so, let me enfold thee and hold thee to my heart. Banquo. There if I grow, the harvest is your own. Duncan. My plenteous joys, wanton in fullness, seek to hide themselves in drops of sorrow. Dot, sons, kinsmen, thanes, and you whose places are the nearest, no, we will establish our estate upon our eldest, Malcolm, whom we name hereafter the Prince of Cumberland, which honor must not unaccompanied invest him only, but signs of nobleness, like stars, shall shine on all deservers. Dot, from hence to Inverness.
and bind us further to you. Macbeth. The rest is labor, which is not us for you, I'll be myself the harbinger, and make joyful the hearing of my wife with your approach. So, humbly take my leave. Duncan. My worthy cotter. Macbeth. Aside, the Prince of Cumberland, that is a step on which I must fall down, or else o'erleap, for in my way it lies. Stars, hide your fires. Let not light see my black and deep desires. The eye wink at the hand, yet let that be, which the eye fears, when it is done, to see. Exit. Duncan. True, worthy Banquo. He is full so valiant, and in his commendations I am fed. It is a banquet to me. Let's after him, whose care is gone before to bid us welcome, it is a peerless kinsman. Flourish. Exit. Scene V. Inverness. A room in Macbeth's castle. Enter Lady Macbeth, reading a letter. Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. They met me in the day of success, and I have learned by the perfect's report they have more in them than mortal knowledge. When I burned in desire to question them further, they made themselves there, into which they vanished. Whilst I stood wrapped in the wonder of it, came missives from the king, who all hailed me, Thane of Cotter, by which title, before, these weird sisters saluted me, and referred me to the coming on of time, with hail, king that shalt be, this have I thought good to deliver thee, my dearest partner of greatness, that thou mightst not lose the dues of rejoicing, by being ignorant of what greatness is promised thee. Lay it to thy heart, and farewell. Glamest thou art, and cotter, and shalt be what thou art promised. Yet do I fear thy nature, it is too full o'th milk of human kindness to catch the nearest way. Thou wouldst be great, art not without ambition, but without the illness should attend it. What thou wouldst highly, that wouldst thou holily, wouldst not play false, and yet wouldst wrongly win. Thou dst have, great glamis, that which cries, thus thou must do. If thou have it, and that which rather thou dost fear to do, than wishest should be undone. Hie thee hither, that I may pour my spirits in thine ear, and chastise with the valor of my tongue all that impedes thee from the golden round, which fate and metaphysical aid doth seem to have thee crowned withal. Enter a messenger. Messenger. What is your tidings? Messenger. The king comes here tonight. Lady Macbeth. Thou art he mad to say it. Is not thy master with him? Who, word so, would have informed for preparation? Messenger. So please you, it is true. Our thane is coming. One of my fellows had the speed of him, who, almost dead for breath, had scarcely more than would make up his message. Lady Macbeth. Give him tending. He brings great news. Exit messenger. Messenger. The raven himself is horse that croaks the fatal entrance of Duncan under my battlements. Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts, unsex me here, and fill me, from the crown to the toe, top full of direst cruelty. Make thick my blood, stop up th access and passage to remorse, that no compunctious visitings of nature shake my fell purpose, nor keep peace between th effect and it. Come to my woman's breasts, and take my milk for gall, your murdering ministers, wherever in your sightless substances you wait on nature's mischief. Come, thick night, and pall thee in the dunnest smoke of hell that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry. Hold, hold! Enter Macbeth. Macbeth. Great Glamis, worthy Cotter. 
greater than both, by the all hail hereafter. Thy letters have transported me beyond this ignorant present, and I feel now the future in the instant. Macbeth. My dearest love, Duncan comes here tonight. Lady Macbeth. And when goes hence? Macbeth. Tomorrow, as he purposes. Lady Macbeth. Oh, never shall sun that morrow see. Your face, my thane, is as a book where men may read strange matters. To beguile the time, look like the time, bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue, look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. He that's coming must be provided for, and you shall put this night's great business into my dispatch, which shall to all our nights and days to come give solely sovereign sway and masterdom. Macbeth. We will speak further. Lady Macbeth. Only look up clear. To alter favor ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me. Exeunt. Scene 6. The same. Before the castle. Hobas. Servants of Macbeth attending. Macbeth. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Denalbin, Banquo, Lennox, Macduff, Ross, Angus, and attendants. Duncan, Malcolm, Denalbin, Banquo, Lennox, Macduff, Ross, Angus. Duncan. This castle hath a pleasant seat. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. Banquo. This guest of summer, the temple-haunting Martlet, does approve, by his loved mansionry, that the heaven's breath smells wooingly here, no juddy, frieze, buttress, nor coin of vantage, but this bird hath made his pendant bed and procreant cradle. Where they most breed and haunt, I have observed the air is delicate. Enter Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Duncan. See, see, our honored hostess, the love that follows us sometime is our trouble, which still we think as love. Herein I teach you how you shall bid God aild us for your pains, and thank us for your trouble. Lady Macbeth. All our service, in every point twice done, and then done double, were poor and single business to contend against those honors deep and broad wherewith your majesty loads our house, for those of old, and the late dignities heaped up to them, we rest your hermits. Duncan. Where's the thane of Cotter? We coursed him at the heels, and had a purpose to be his purveyor, but he rides well, and his great love, sharp as his spur, hath holp him to his home before us. Fair and noble hostess, we are your guests tonight. Lady Macbeth. Your servants ever have theirs, themselves, and what is theirs, in Compt, to make their audit at your highness' pleasure, still to return your own. Duncan. Give me your hand, conduct me to mine host, we love him highly, and shall continue our graces towards him. By your leave, hostess. Exeunt. Scene 7. The same. A lobby in the castle. Hobas and torches. Enter, and pass over, a sewer and diverse servants with dishes and service. Then enter Macbeth. 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 If it were done when tis done, then twere well it were done quickly. If th assassination could trammel up the consequence, and catch with his surcease success, that but this blow might be the be-all and the end-all, here, but here, upon this bank and shoal of time, we'd jump the life to come. But in these cases we still have judgment here, that we but teach bloody instructions, which being taught, return to plague th inventor. This even-handed justice commends th ingredients of our poisoned chalice to our own lips. He's here in double trust, first, 
as I am his kinsman and his subject, strong both against the deed, then, as his host, who should against his murderer shut the door, not bear the knife myself. Besides, this Duncan hath borne his faculties so meek, hath been so clear in his great office, that his virtues will plead like angels, trumpet-tongued, against the deep damnation of his taking off, and pity, like a naked newborn babe, striding the blast, or heaven's cherubim, oared upon the sightless couriers of the air, shall blow the horrid deed in every eye, that tears shall drown the wind dot. I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which o'erleaps itself, and falls on th other. Enter Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. How now? What news? Lady Macbeth. He has almost supped. Why have you left the chamber? Macbeth. Hath he asked for me? Lady Macbeth. Know you not he has? Macbeth. We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which would be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Lady Macbeth. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since? And wakes it now, to look so green and pale at what it did so freely. From this time such I account thy love. Art thou afeard to be the same in thine own act and valor as thou art in desire? Wouldst thou have that which thou esteemst the ornament of life, and live a coward in thine own esteem, letting, I dare not, wait upon, I would, like the poor cat I-th adage? Macbeth. Piarithi, peace. I dare do all that may become a man, who dares do more as none. Lady Macbeth. What beast was, then, that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man, and, to be more than what you were, you would be so much more the man. Nor time nor place did then adhere, and yet you would make both, they have made themselves, and that their fitness now does unmake you. I have given suck, and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me, I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn as you have done to this. Macbeth if we should fail? Lady Macbeth. We fail? But screw your courage to the sticking place, and will not fail. When Duncan is asleep, whereto the rather shall his day's hard journey soundly invite him, his two chamberlains will I with wine and wassail so convinced that memory, the warder of the brain, shall be a fume, and the receipt of reason a limbeck only. When in swinish sleep the drenched natures lie as in a death, what cannot you and I perform upon th unguarded Duncan? What not put upon his spongy officers? Who shall bear the guilt of our great quell? Macbeth. Bring forth men children only, for thy undaunted metal should compose nothing but males. Will it not be received, when we have marked with blood those sleepy two of his own chamber, and us their very daggers, that they have done? Lady Macbeth. Who dares receive it other, as we shall make our griefs and clamor roar upon his death? Macbeth. I am settled, and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat away, and mock the time with fairest show, false face must hide what the false heart doth know. Exit. Act 2. Scene I. Inverness. Court within the castle. Enter Banquo and Flents with a torch before him. Banquo. Flents. Banquo. How goes the night, boy? Flents. The moon is down, I have not heard the clock. Banquo. 
and she goes down at twelve. Flance. I take tis later, sir. Banquo. Hold, take my sword dot. There's husbandry in heaven. Their candles are all out. Take thee that, too. A heavy summons lies like lead upon me, and yet I would not sleep. Merciful powers, restrain in me the cursed thoughts that nature gives way to in repose. Enter Macbeth and a servant with a torch. Macbeth. Give me my sword dot. Who's there? Macbeth. A friend. Banquo. What, sir, not yet at rest? The king's abed. He hath been in unusual pleasure, and sent forth great largess to your offices. This diamond he greets your wife withal, by the name of most kind hostess, and shut up in measureless content. Macbeth. Being unprepared, I will became the servant to defect, which else should free have wrought. Banquo. All's well. I dreamt last night of the three weird sisters. To you they have showed some truth. Macbeth. I think not of them, yet, when we can entreat an hour to serve, we would spend it in some words upon that business, if you would grant the time. Banquo. At your kind leisure. Macbeth. If you shall cleave to my consent, when tis, it shall make honor for you. Banquo. So I lose none in seeking to augment it, but still keep my bosom frankest, and allegiance clear, I shall be counseled. Macbeth. Good repose the while. Banquo. Thanks, sir, the like to you. Excellent Banquo and Flints. Banquo. Flints. Macbeth. Go bid thy mistress. When my drink is ready, she strike upon the bell. Get thee to bed. Exit servant. Is this a dagger which I see before me, the handle toward my hand? Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not, fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation, proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain? I see thee yet, in form as palpable as this which now I draw. Thou marshalst me the way that I was going, and such an instrument I was to use. Mine eyes are made the fools o' the other senses, or else worth all the rest. I see thee still, and on thy blade and dudgeon, gouts of blood, which was not so before dot. There's no such thing. It is the bloody business which informs thus to mine eyes that, now o'er the one half-world nature seems dead, and wicked dreams abuse the curtain sleep. Witchcraft celebrates pale Hecate's offerings, and withered murder, alarmed by his sentinel, the wolf, whose howls his watch, thus with his stealthy pace, with Tarquin's ravishing strides, towards his design moves like a ghost dot, thou sure and firm set earth, hear not my steps, which way they walk, for fear thy very stones prate of my whereabout, and take the present horror from the time, which now suits with the dot, whilst I threat he lives. Words to the heat of deeds too cold breath gives. A bell rings. I go, and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. Exit. Scene 2. The same. Enter Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. That which hath made them drunk hath made me bold. What hath quenched them hath given me fire. Hark, peace. It was the owl that shrieked, the fatal bellman, which gives the sterns good night. He is about it. The doors are open, and the surfeited grooms do mock their charge with snores. I have drugged their possets, that death and nature do contend about them, whether they live or die.
Macbeth. Within, who's there, what, ho? Lady Macbeth. Alack! I am afraid they have awacked, and tis not done. Th attempt and not the deed confounds us. Dot. Hark, I laid their daggers ready. He could not miss em. Dot. Had he not resembled my father as he slept, I had done. Dot. My husband. Enter Macbeth. 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 I have done the deed. Dot. Didst thou not hear a noise? Lady Macbeth. I heard the owl scream and the crickets cry. Did not you speak? Macbeth. When? Lady Macbeth. Now. Macbeth. As I descended? Lady Macbeth. I. Macbeth. Hark, who lies ith second chamber? Lady Macbeth. Denalbin. Macbeth. This is a sorry sight. Looking on his hands. Lady Macbeth. A foolish thought, to say a sorry sight. Macbeth. There's one did laugh in sleep, and one cried. Murder! That they did wake each other, I stood and heard them. But they did say their prayers, and address them again to sleep. Lady Macbeth. There are two Elodigi together. Macbeth. One cried. God bless us! And, Amen. The other, as they had seen me with these hangmen's hands. Listening their fear, I could not say. Amen. When they did say. God bless us. Lady Macbeth. Consider it not so deeply. Macbeth. But wherefore could not I pronounce, Amen? I had most need of blessing, and Amen, stuck in my throat. Lady Macbeth. These deeds must not be thought after these ways, so, it will make us mad. Macbeth. Methought I heard a voice cry. Sleep no more! Macbeth does murder sleep. The innocent sleep, sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care. The death of each day's life, sore labor's bath, balm of hurt minds, great nature's second course, chief nourisher in life's feast. Lady Macbeth. What do you mean? Macbeth. Still it cried. Sleep no more! To all the house. Glamis hath murdered sleep, and therefore Cotter shall sleep no more. Macbeth shall sleep no more! Lady Macbeth. Who was it that thus cried? Why, worthy Thane? You do unbend your noble strength to think so brainsickly of things. Go get some water, and wash this filthy witness from your hand. Dot. Why did you bring these daggers from the place? They must lie there, go carry them, and smear the sleepy grooms with blood. Macbeth. I'll go no more. I am afraid to think what I have done. Look on again I dare not. Lady Macbeth. Infirm of purpose. Give me the daggers. The sleeping and the dead are but as pictures. Tis the eye of childhood that fears a painted devil. If he do bleed, I'll gild the faces of the grooms withal, for it must seem their guilt. Exit. Knocking within. Macbeth. Whence is that knocking? How is't with me, when every noise appalls me? What hands are here? Ha, they pluck out mine eyes. Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? No, this my hand will rather the multitudinous seas incarnadine, making the green one red. Enter Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. My hands are of your color, but I shame to wear a heart so white. Knocking within. I hear knocking at the south entry. Retire we to our chamber. A little water clears us of this deed. How easy is it then?
Your constancy hath left you unattended. Dot, knocking within. Hark, more knocking. Get on your nightgown, lest occasion call us and show us to be watchers. Be not lost so pearly in your thoughts. Macbeth. To know my deed, twere best not know myself. Knocking within, wake Duncan with thy knocking. I would thou couldst. Exit. Scene 3. The same. Enter a porter. Knocking within. Porter. Porter. Here's a knocking indeed. If a man were porter of Hellgate, he should have old turning the key. Knocking, knock, knock, knock. Who's there? I-T-H name of Beelzebub. Here's a farmer that hanged himself on the expectation of plenty. Come in time. Have napkins enow about you. Here you'll sweat for it. Knocking, knock, knock. Who's there? I-T-H other devil's name. Faith, here's an equivocator that could swear in both the scales against either scale, who committed treason enough for God's sake, yet could not equivocate to heaven. Oh, come in, equivocator. Knocking, knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Faith, here's an English tailor come hither, for stealing out of a French hose. Come in, tailor. Here you may roast your goose. Knocking, knock, knock. Never at quiet. What are you? But this place is too cold for hell. I'll devil porter in no further. I had thought to have let in some of all professions that go the primrose way to th everlasting bonfire. Knocking, anon, anon. I pray you, remember the porter. Opens the gate. Enter Macduff and Lennox. Macduff. Lennox. Macduff. Was it so late, friend, ere you went to bed, that you do lie so late? Porter. Faith, sir, we were carousing till the second cock, and drink, sir, is a great provoker of three things. Macduff. What three things does drink especially provoke? Porter. Mary, sir, knows painting, sleep, and urine. Lechery, sir, it provokes and unprovokes. It provokes the desire, but it takes away the performance. Therefore much drink may be said to be an equivocator with lechery. It makes him, and it mars him. It sets him on, and it takes him off. It persuades him, and disheartens him. Makes him stand to, and not stand to. In conclusion, equivocates him in a sleep, and giving him the lie, leaves him. Macduff. I believe drink gave thee the lie last night. Porter. That it did, sir, I the very throat on me. But I requited him for his lie. And I think, being too strong for him, though he took up my legs sometime, yet I made a shift to cast him. Macduff. Is thy master stirring? Enter Macbeth. Macbeth. Our knocking has awacked him. Here he comes. Lennox. Good morrow, noble sir. Macbeth. Good morrow, both. Macduff. Is the king stirring, worthy thane? Macbeth. Not yet. Macduff. He did command me to call timely on him. I have almost slipped the hour. Macbeth. I'll bring you to him. Macduff. I know this is a joyful trouble to you, but yet tis one. Macbeth. The labor we delight in physics pain. This is the door. Macduff. I'll make so bold to call. For tis my limited service. Exit Macduff. Macduff. Lennox. Goes the king hence today? Macbeth. He does. He did appoint so. Lennox. The night has been unruly. Where we lay, our chimneys were blown down and, as they say, 
lamentings heard I th air, strange screams of death, and prophesying, with accents terrible, of dire combustion and confused events, new hatched to the woeful time. The obscure bird clamored the livelong night. Some say the earth was feverous, and did shake. Macbeth. Twas a rough night. Lennox. My young remembrance cannot parallel a fellow to it. Enter Macduff. 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 Oh horror, horror, horror! Tongue nor heart cannot conceive nor name thee. Macbeth, Lennox. What's the matter? Macduff. Confusion now hath made his masterpiece. Most sacrilegious murder hath broke ope the Lord's anointed temple, and stole thence the life O.T.H. building. Macbeth. What is you say? The life? Lennox. Mean you his majesty? Macduff. Approach the chamber, and destroy your sight with a new gorgon. Do not bid me speak. See, and then speak yourselves. Excellent Macbeth and Lennox. Macbeth. Lennox. Awake, awake, ring the alarm bell dot. Murder and treason. Banquo and Denalbin. Malcolm. Awake. Shake off this downy sleep, death's counterfeit, and look on death itself. Up, up, and see the great doom's image. Malcolm. Banquo. As from your graves rise up, and walk like sprites to countenance this horror. Alarum bell rings. Enter Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. What's the business that such a hideous trumpet calls to parley the sleepers of the house? Speak, speak. Macduff. O gentle lady, tis not for you to hear what I can speak. The repetition, in a woman's ear, would murder as it fell. Enter Banquo. Banquo. O Banquo, Banquo. Our royal masters murdered. Lady Macbeth. Woe, alas! What in our house? Banquo. Too cruel anywhere. Dear Duff, I piarithi, contradict thyself, and say it is not so. Enter Macbeth and Lennox with Ross. Macbeth. Lennox. Ross. Macbeth. Had I but died an hour before this chance, I had lived a blessed time, for, from this instant there's nothing serious in mortality. All is but toys, renown and grace is dead, the wine of life is drawn, and the mere lees is left this vault to brag of. Enter Malcolm and Denalbin. Malcolm. Denalbin. Denalbin. What is amiss? Macbeth. You are, and do not note, the spring, the head, the fountain of your blood is stopped. The very source of it is stopped. Macduff. Your royal father's murdered. Malcolm. Oh, by whom? Lennox. Those of his chamber, as it seemed, had dunt. Their hands and faces were all badged with blood. So were their daggers, which, unwhipped, we found upon their pillows. They starred and were distracted. No man's life was to be trusted with them. Macbeth. Oh, yet I do repent me of my fury, that I did kill them. Macduff. Wherefore did you so? Macbeth. Who can be wise, amassed, temperate, and furious, loyal and neutral, in a moment? No man. Th expedition of my violent love outrun the pauser, reason. Here lay Duncan, his silver skin lacked with his golden blood and his gashed stabs looked like a breach in nature for ruin's wasteful entrance. There, the murderers, steeped in the colors of their trade, their daggers unmannerly breached with gore.
who could refrain, that had a heart to love, and in that heart courage to make's love known? Lady Macbeth. Help me hence, ho! Macduff. Look to the lady. Malcolm. Why do we hold our tongues, that most may claim this argument for ours? Denalbin. What should be spoken here, where our fate, hidden in auger hole, may rush and seize us? Let's away. Our tears are not yet brewed. Malcolm. Nor our strong sorrow upon the foot of motion. Banquo. Look to the lady. Lady Macbeth is carried out. Lady Macbeth. And when we have our naked frailties hid, that suffer in exposure, let us meet, and question this most bloody piece of work to know it further. Fears and scruples shake us, in the great hand of God I stand, and thence against the undivulged pretense I fight of treasonous malice. Macduff. And so do I. All. So all. Macbeth. Let's briefly put on manly readiness, and meet I.T.H. Hall together. All. Well contented. Excellent all but Malcolm and Denalbin. Malcolm. Denalbin. Malcolm. What will you do? Let's not consort with them. To show an unfelt sorrow is an office which the false man does easy. Out to England. Denalbin. To Ireland, I. Our separated fortune shall keep us both the safer. Where we are, there's daggers and men's smiles. The near in blood, the nearer bloody. Malcolm. This murderous shaft that shot hath not yet lighted, and our safest way is to avoid the aim. Therefore to horse, and let us not be dainty of leave-taking, but shift away. There's warrant in that theft which steals itself, when there's no mercy left. Exeunt. Scene 4. The same. Without the castle. Enter Ross and an old man. Ross. Old man. Old man. Three score and ten I can remember well within the volume of which time I have seen hours dreadful and things strange, but this sore night hath trifled former knowings. Ross. Ha, good father, thou sayest the heavens, as troubled with man's act threatens his bloody stage, by the clock tis day, and yet dark night strangles the traveling lamp. Is night's predominance, or the day's shame, that darkness does the face of earth entomb, when living light should kiss it? Old man. Tis unnatural, even like the deed that's done. On Tuesday last, a falcon, towering in her pride of place, was by a mousing owl hawked at and killed. Ross. And Duncan's horses, a thing most strange and certain, beauteous and swift, the minions of their race, turned wild in nature, broke their stalls, flung out, contending gainst obedience, as they would make war with mankind. Old man. Tis said they eat each other. Ross. They did so, to the amazement of mine eyes that looked upon. Here comes the good Macduff. Enter Macduff. Macduff. How goes the world, sir, now? Macduff. Why see you not? Ross. Is known who did this more than bloody deed? Macduff. Those that Macbeth hath slain. Ross. Alas, the day. What good could they pretend? Macduff. They were suborned. Malcolm and Denalbin, the king's two sons, are stolen away and fled, which puts upon them suspicion of the deed. Ross. Gainst nature still, thriftless ambition, that will raven up thine own life's means, then tis most like the sovereignty will fall upon Macbeth. Macduff. He is already nommed, 
and gone to Scone to be invested. Ross. Where is Duncan's body? Macduff. Carried to Comkill, the sacred storehouse of his predecessors, and guardian of their bones. Ross. Will you to Scone? Macduff. No, cousin, I'll to Fife. Ross. Well, I will thither. Macduff. Well, may you see things well done there. Adieu. Lest our old robes sit easier than our new. Ross. Farewell, father. Old man. God's benison go with you, and with those that would make good of bad, and friends of foes. Exeunt. Act 3. Scene I. Fores. A room in the palace. Enter Banquo. 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 Thou hast it now, King, Cotter, Glamis, all, as the weird women promise, and I fear thou pladiest he most foully for it, yet it was said it should not stand in thy posterity, but that myself should be the root and father of many kings. If there come truth from them, as upon thee, Macbeth, their speeches shine, why, by the verities on thee made good, may they not be my oracles as well, and set me up in hope? But hush, no more. Senate sounded. Enter Macbeth as king, Lady Macbeth as queen, Lennox, Ross, lords, and attendants. Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. Lennox, Ross. Macbeth. Here's our chief guest. Lady Macbeth. If he had been forgotten, it had been as a gap in our great feast, and all thing unbecoming. Macbeth. Tonight we hold a solemn supper, sir, and I'll request your presence. Banquo. Let your highness command upon me, to the which my duties are with a most indissoluble tie forever knit. Macbeth. Ride you this afternoon? Banquo. I, my good lord. Macbeth. We should have else desert your good advice, which still hath been both grave and prosperous, in this day's counsel, but will take tomorrow. Is far you ride? Banquo. As far, my lord, as will fill up the time twixt this and supper. Go not my horse the better, I must become a borrower of the night, for a dark hour or twain. Macbeth. Fail not our feast. Banquo. My lord, I will not. Macbeth. We hear our bloody cousins are bestowed in England and in Ireland, not confessing their cruel parricide, filling their hearers with strange invention. But of that tomorrow, when therewithal we shall have cause of state craving us jointly. Hie you to horse. Adieu, till you return at night. Goes flints with you? Banquo. Ay, my good lord, our time does call upon's. Macbeth. I wish your horses swift and sure of foot, and so I do commend you to their backs. Farewell. Dot. Exit Banquo. Banquo. Let every man be master of his time till seven at night. To make society the sweeter welcome, we will keep ourselves till supper time alone. While then... God be with you. Excellent Lady Macbeth, Lords and C. Lady Macbeth. Sarah, a word with you. Attend those men our pleasure? Servant. They are, my lord, without the palace gate. Macbeth. Bring them before us. Exit servant. To be thus is nothing, but to be safely thus. Our fears and banquos stick deep, and in his royalty of nature reigns that which would be feared. Tis much he dares, and to that dauntless temper of his mind, he hath a wisdom that doth guide his valor to act in safety. There is none but he whose being I do fear, and under him my genius is rebucked, 
as, it is said, Mark Antony's was by Caesar. He chid the sisters when first they put the name of king upon me, and bade them speak to him, then, prophet-like, they hailed him father to a line of kings, upon my head they placked a fruitless crown, and put a barren scepter in my gripe, thence to be wrenched with an unlineal hand, no son of mine succeeding. If be so, for Banquo's issue have I filled my mind, for them the gracious Duncan have I murdered, put rancors in the vessel of my peace only for them, and mine eternal jewel given to the common enemy of man, to make them kings, the seed of Banquo kings. Rather than so, come, fate, into the list, and champion me to th utterance. Who's there? Enter servant with two murderers. Servant. Murderers. Now go to the door, and stay there till we call. Exit servant. Was it not yesterday we spoke together? First murderer. It was, so please your highness. Macbeth. Well then, now have you considered of my speeches? Know that it was he, in the times past, which held you so under fortune, which you thought had been our innocent self? This I made good to you in our last conference, passed in probation with you how you were born in hand, how crossed, the instruments, who wrought with them, and all things else that might to half a soul and to a notion crass say. Thus did Banquo. First murderer. You made it known to us. Macbeth. I did so, and went further which is now our point of second meeting. Do you find your patience so predominant in your nature that you can let this go? Are you so gospeled to pray for this good man and for his issue, whose heavy hand hath bowed you to the grave and beggared yours forever? First murderer. We are men, my liege. Macbeth. Aye, in the catalogue ye go for men, as hounds and greyhounds, mongrels, spaniels, curs, shaws, water-rugs, and demi-wolves are clept all by the name of dogs. The valued file distinguishes the swift, the slow, the subtle, the housekeeper, the hunter, every one according to the gift which bounteous nature hath in him clossed, whereby he does receive particular addition, from the bill that writes them all alike, and so of men. Now, if you have a station in the file, not ith worse rank of manhood, sate, and I will put that business in your bosoms, whose execution takes your enemy off grapples you to the heart and love of us, who were our health but sickly in his life, which in his death were perfect. Second murderer. I am one, my liege, whom the vile blows and buffets of the world hath so incensed that I am reckless what I do to spite the world. First murderer. And I another, so weary with disasters, tugged with fortune, that I would set my life on any chance, to mend it or be rid on't. Macbeth. Both of you know Banquo was your enemy both murderers. True, my lord. Macbeth. So is he mine, and in such bloody distance, that every minute of his being thrust against my nearest of life, and though I could with bare fact power sweep him from my sight, and bid my will avouch it, yet I must not, for certain friends that are both his and mine, whose loves I may not drop, but wail his fall who I myself struck down, and thence it is that I to your assistance do make love." masking the business from the common eye for sundry weighty reasons. Second murderer. We shall, my lord, perform what you command us. First murderer. Though our lives. Macbeth. Your spirits shine through you. Within this hour at most, I will advise you where to plant yourselves, acquaint you with the perfect spy O.T.H. time, the moment for it must be done tonight and something from the palace. Always thought that I require a clearness. 
and with him, to leave no rubs nor botches in the work, flints his son, that keeps him company, whose absence is no less material to me than is his father's, must embrace the fate of that dark hour. Resolve yourselves apart. I'll come to you anon. Both murderers. We are resolved, my lord. Macbeth. I'll call upon you straight. Abide within. Exit murderers. Murderers. It is concluded. Banquo, thy soul's flight, if it find heaven, must find it out tonight. Exit. Scene two. The same. Another room in the palace. Enter Lady Macbeth and a servant. Lady Macbeth. Servant. Lady Macbeth. Is Banquo gone from court? Servant. Ay, madam, but returns again tonight. Lady Macbeth. Say to the king, I would attend his leisure for a few words. Servant. Madam, my will. Exit. Lady Macbeth. Nought's had, all spent, where our desire is got without content. Tis safer to be that which we destroy, than by destruction dwell in doubtful joy. Enter Macbeth. Macbeth. How now, my lord, why do you keep alone, of sorious fancies your companions making, using those thoughts which should indeed have died with them they think on? Things without all remedy should be without regard. What's done is done. Macbeth. We have scorched the snake, not killed it. She'll close and be herself, whilst our poor malice remains in danger of her former tooth. But let the frame of things disjoint, both the world suffer, ere we will eat our meal in fear, and sleep in the affliction of these terrible dreams that shake us nightly. Better be with the dead, whom we, to gain our peace, have sent to peace, than on the torture of the mind to lie in restless ecstasy. Duncan is in his grave. After life's fitful fever he sleeps well. Treason has done his worst. Nor steel, nor poison, malice domestic, foreign levy, nothing can touch him further. Lady Macbeth. Come on, gently my lord, sleek o'er your rugged looks. Be bright and jovial among your guests tonight. Macbeth. So shall I, love, and so, I pray, be you. Let your remembrance apply to Banquo. Present him eminence, both with eye and tongue, unsafe the while, that we must lave our honors in these flattering streams, and make our faces visards to our hearts, disguising what they are. Lady Macbeth. You must leave this. Macbeth. Oh, full of scorpions is my mind, dear wife. Thou knowst that Banquo, and his flints, lives. Lady Macbeth. But in them nature's copies not a turn. Macbeth. There's comfort yet, they are assailable. Then be thou jocund. Ere the bat hath flown his cloistered flight, ere to black Hecatus summons the shard-born beetle, with his drowsy hums, hath rung night's yawning peal, there shall be done a deed of dreadful note. Lady Macbeth. What's to be done? Macbeth. Be innocent of the knowledge, dearest Chuck, till thou applaud the deed. Come, sealing night, scarf up the tender eye of pitiful day and with thy bloody and invisible hand cancel and tear to pieces that great bond which keeps me pale, light thickens, and the crow makes wing to th rookie wood. Good things of day begin to droop and drowse, whilst night's black agents to their praise do rouse. Thou marvelst at my words, but hold thee still, things bad begun make strong themselves by ill. So, Piarithi, go with me. Exit. Scene 3. The same. A park or lawn, with a gate leading to the palace. 
Enter three murderers. Murderers. First murderer. But who did bid thee join with us? Third murderer. Macbeth. Second murderer. He needs not our mistrust, since he delivers our offices, and what we have to do to the direction just. First murderer. Then stand with us. The west yet glimmers with some streaks of day. Now spurs the lated traveler apace, to gain the timely inn, and near approaches the subject of our watch. Third murderer. Hark! I hear horses. Banquo. Within. Give us a light there. Ho! Second murderer. Then tis he. The rest that are within the note of expectation already are ith court. First murderer. His horses go about. Third murderer. Almost a mile. But he does usually, so all men do, from hence to the palace gate make it their walk. Enter Banquo and Flence with a torch. Banquo. Flence. Second murderer. A light, a light. Third murderer. Tis he. First murderer. Stand to it. Banquo. It will be rain tonight. First murderer. Let it come down. Assaults Banquo. 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 Oh, treachery. Fly, good flints, fly, fly, fly. Thou mayst revenge, O slave. Dies. Flints escapes. Flints. Third murderer. Who did strike out the light? First murderer. Was not the way? Third murderer. There's but one down, the sun is fled. Second murderer. We have lost best half of our affair. First murderer. Well, let's away, and say how much is done. Exit. Scene 4. The same. A room of state in the palace. A banquet prepared. Enter Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, Ross, Lennox, Lords and Attendants. Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, Ross, Lennox. Macbeth. You know your own degrees, sit down. At first and last the hearty welcome. Lords. Thanks to your majesty. Macbeth. Ourself will mingle with society, and play the humble host. Our hostess keeps her state, but in best time, we will require her welcome. Lady Macbeth. Pronounce it for me, sir, to all our friends, for my heart speaks they are welcome. Enter first murderer to the door. Murderer. Macbeth. See, they encounter thee with their hearts, thanks. Both sides are even, here I'll sit ith midst. Be large in mirth, anon will drink a measure the table round. There's blood upon thy face. Murderer. Tis Banquo's then. Macbeth. Tis better thee without than he within. Is he dispatched? Murderer. My lord, his throat is cut. That I did for him. Macbeth. Thou art the best O.T.H. cutthroats, yet he's good that did the like for flints. If thou didst it, thou art the nonpareil. Murderer. Most royal sir, flints is scapped. Macbeth. Then comes my fit again. I had else been perfect, whole as the marble, founded as the rock, as broad and general as the casing air, but now I am cabined, cribbed, confined, bound into saucy doubts and fears. But Banquo's safe? Murderer. Ah, my good lord. Safe in a ditch he bides, with twenty trenched gashes on his head, the least a death to nature. Macbeth. Thanks for that. There the grown serpent lies. The worm that's fled hath nature that in time will venom breed, 
No teeth for th present dot. Get thee gone. Tomorrow we'll hear ourselves again. Exit murderer. Murderer. Lady Macbeth. My royal lord, you do not give the cheer. The feast is sold that is not often vouched. While tis a-making, tis given with welcome. To feed were best at home. From thence the sauce to meat is ceremony. Meeting were bare without it. The ghost of Banquo rises, and sits in Macbeth's place. Macbeth. Sweet remembrancer, now, good digestion weight on appetite, and health on both. Lennox. May please your highness sit. Macbeth. Here had we now our country's honor roofed, were the gracked person of our Banquo present, who may I rather challenge for unkindness than pity for mischance. Ross. His absence, sir, lays blame upon his promise. Please your highness to grace us with your royal company? Macbeth. The table's full. Lennox. Here is a place reserved, sir. Macbeth. Where? Lennox. Here, my good lord. What is that moves your highness? Macbeth. Which of you have done this? Lords. What, my good lord? Macbeth. Thou canst not say I did it. Never shake thy gory locks at me. Ross. Gentlemen, rise, his highness is not well. Lady Macbeth. Sit, worthy friends. My lord is often thus, and hath been from his youth. Pray you, keep seat, the fit is momentary. Upon a thought he will again be well. If much you note him, you shall offend him, and extend his passion. Feed, and regard him not dot. Are you a man? Macbeth. I, and a bold one, that dare look on that which might appall the devil. Lady Macbeth. O proper stuff! This is the very painting of your fear. This is the air-drawn dagger which you said, led you to Duncan. Oh, these flaws, and starts, impostors to true fear, would well become a woman's story at a winter's fire, authorist by her grandam. Shame itself! Why do you make such faces? When all's done, you look but on a stool. Macbeth. Piarithi, see there! Behold! Look! Lo! How say you? Why, what care I? If thou canst nod, speak to dot. If charnel houses and our graves must send those that we bury back, our monuments shall be the maws of kites. Ghost disappears. Lady Macbeth. What quite unmanned in folly. Macbeth. If I stand here, I saw him. Lady Macbeth. Fie, for shame. Macbeth. Blood hath been shed ere now, I.T.H. olden time, ere humane statute purged the gentle wheel, I, and since too, murders have been performed too terrible for the ear, the time has been, that, when the brains were out, the man would die, and there an end, but now they rise again, with twenty mortal murders on their crowns, and push us from our stools. This is more strange than such a murder is. Lady Macbeth. My worthy lord, your noble friends do lack you. Macbeth. I do forget dot, do not muse at me, my most worthy friends. I have a strange infirmity, which is nothing to those that know me. Come, love and health to all, then I'll sit down dot, give me some wine, fill full dot, I drink to the general joy o'th whole table, and to our dear friend Banquo, whom we miss, would he were here. Ghost rises again. To all and him, we thirst, and all to all. Lords. Our duties and the pledge. Macbeth. Avaunt. 
and quit my sight. Let the earth hide thee. Thy bones are marrowless, thy blood is cold. Thou hast no speculation in those eyes which thou dost glare with. Lady Macbeth. Think of this, good peers, but as a thing of custom, tis no other, only it spoils the pleasure of the time. Macbeth. What man dare, I dare, approach thou like the rugged Russian bear, the armed rhinoceros, or th hurkin tiger, take any shape but that, and my firm nerve shall never tremble, or be alive again, and dare me to the desert with thy sword, if trembling I inhabit then, protest me the baby of a girl. Hence, horrible shadow, unreal mockery, hence, ghost disappears. Why, so, being gone, I am a man again dot, pray you sit still. Lady Macbeth, you have displaced the mirth, broke the good meeting with most admired disorder. Macbeth, can such things be, and overcome us like a summer's cloud, without our special wonder? You make me strange even to the disposition that I owe, when now I think you can behold such sights, and keep the natural ruby of your cheeks, when mine are blanched with fear. Ross, what sights, my lord? Lady Macbeth, I pray you, speak not, he grows worse and worse, question enrages him. At once, good night, stand not upon the order of your going, but go at once. Lennox, good night, and better health attend his majesty. Lady Macbeth, a kind good night to all. Exent all lords and attendants. Macbeth, it will have blood, they say, blood will have blood. Stones have been known to move, and trees to speak. Augers, and understood relations, have by magopies, and chuffs, and rooks, brought forth the secrets man of blood dot, what is the night? Lady Macbeth. Almost at odds with morning, which is which? Macbeth. How sayst thou, that Macduff denies his person at our great bidding? Lady Macbeth. Did you send to him, sir? Macbeth. I hear it by the way, but I will send. There's not a one of them but in his house I keep a servant feed. I will tomorrow, and betimes I will, to the weird sisters, more shall they speak, for now I am bent to know, by the worst means, the worst. For mine own good, all causes shall give way, I am in blood stepped in so far that, should I wait no more, returning were as tedious as go o'er. Strange things I have in head, that will to hand, which must be acted ere they may be scanned. Lady Macbeth you lack the season of all nature's sleep. Macbeth. Come, will to sleep. My strange and self-abuse is the initiate fear that wants hard use. We are yet but young indeed. Exit. Scene V. The Heath. Thunder. Enter the three witches meeting Hecate. Witches. Hecate. First witch. Why, how now, Hecate? You look angrily. Hecate. Have I not reason, Beldams as you are, saucy and overbold? How did you dare to trade and traffic with Macbeth in riddles and affairs of death? And I, the mistress of your charms, the close contriver of all harms, was never called to bear my part, or show the glory of our art. And which is worse, all you have done hath been but for a wayward son, spiteful and wrathful, who, as others do, loves for his own ends, not for you. But make amends now, get you gone and at the pit of Akron meet me ith morning, thither he will come to know his destiny. Your vessels and your spells provide, your charms, and everything beside. I am for th air, 
This night I'll spend unto a dismal and a fatal end. Great business must be wrought ere noon. Upon the corner of the moon there hangs a vaporous drop profound. I'll catch it ere it come to ground, and that, distilled by magic slights, shall raise such artificial sprites, as, by the strength of their illusion, shall draw him on to his confusion. He shall spurn fate, scorn death, and bear his hopes bow wisdom, grace, and fear. And you all know, security is mortal's chiefest enemy. Music and song within. Come away, come away, and see. Hark! I am called, my little spirit, see, sits in a foggy cloud and stays for me. Exit. First witch. Come, let's make haste, she'll soon be back again. Exit. Scene 6. Fores. A room in the palace. Enter Lennox and another lord. Lennox. Lord. Lennox. My former speeches have but hit your thoughts, which can interpret farther. Only, I say, things have been strangely born. The gracious Duncan was pitted of Macbeth, Mary, he was dead, and the right valiant Banquo walked too late, whom, you may say, if please you, Flint's killed, for Flint's fled. Men must not walk too late. Who cannot want the thought, how monstrous it was for Malcolm and for Denalbin to kill their gracious father? Damned fact! How it did grieve Macbeth! Did he not straight, in pious rage, the two delinquents tear that were the slaves of drink and thralls of sleep? Was not that nobly done? Aye, and wisely too, for t'would have angered any heart alive, to hear the men denight. So that, I say, he has borne all things well, and I do think, that had he Duncan's sons under his key, as, and please heaven, he shall not, they should find what t'were to kill a father, so should Flint's. But peace, for from broad words, and cause he failed his presence at the tyrant's feast, I hear, Macduff lives in disgrace. Sir, can you tell where he bestows himself? Lord, the son of Duncan, from whom this tyrant holds the due of birth, lives in the English court, and is received of the most pious Edward with such grace that the malevolence of fortune nothing takes from his high respect. Thither Macduff is gone to pray the holy king, upon his aid to wake Northumberland, and warlike Siwad that, by the help of these, with him above to ratify the work, we may again give to our tables meat, sleep to our nights, free from our feasts and banquets bloody knives, do faithful homage, and receive free honors, all which we pine for now. And this report hath so exasperate the king that he prepares for some attempt of war. Lennox. Sent he to Macduff? Lord. He did, and with an absolute. Sir, not I. The cloudy messenger turns me his back, and hums, as who should say. You'll rue the time that clogs me with this answer. Lennox. And that well might advise him to a caution, to hold what distance his wisdom can provide. Some holy angel fly to the court of England, and unfold his message ere he come, that a swift blessing may soon return to this our suffering country under a hand accursed. Lord. I'll send my prayers with him. Exit. Act 4. Scene I. A dark cave. In the middle, a cauldron boiling. Thunder. Enter the three witches. Witches. First witch. Thrice the brined cat hath mewed. Second witch. Thrice, and once the hedge pig wind. Third witch. Harp your cries, tis time, tis time. First witch. Round about the cauldron go. In the poisoned entrails throw dot. Toad. 
that under cold stone days and nights has thirty-one sweltered venom sleeping got, boil thou first thy th charmed pot. All. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. Second witch. Fillet of a fenny snake, in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt, and toe of frog, wool of bat, and tongue of dog, adder's fork, and blindworm's sting, lizard's leg, and howlet's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hellbroth boil and bubble. All. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. Third witch. Scale of dragon, tooth of wolf, witch's mummy, maw and gulf of the raven salt sea shark, root of hemlock digdite th dark, liver of blaspheming Jew, gall of goat, and slips of you slivered in the moon's eclipse, nose of Turk, and tartar's lips, finger of birth strangled babe ditch delivered by a drab, make the gruel thick and slab, add thereto a tiger's chaudron, for th ingredients of our cauldron. All. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. Second witch. Cool it with a baboon's blood. Then the charm is firm and good. Enter Hecate. 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 Oh, well done. I commend your pains, and everyone shall share ith gains. And now about the cauldron sing, like elves and fairies in a ring, enchanting all that you put in. Music and a song. Black spirits. And see. Exit Hecate. Hecate. Second witch. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Open, locks, whoever knocks. Enter Macbeth. 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 How now, you secret, black, and midnight hags? What is you do? All. A deed without a name. Macbeth. I conjure you, by that which you profess, how are you come to know it? Answer me, though you untie the winds, and let them fight against the churches. Though the yesty waves confound and swallow navigation up, though bladed corn be a lodigied, and trees blown down, though castles topple on their warders' heads, though palaces and pyramids do slope their heads to their foundations, though the treasure of nature's germans tumble all together, even till destruction sicken, answer me to what I ask. You, first witch, speak, second witch, demand, third witch, we'll answer. First witch. Say, if thou dost rather hear it from our mouths, or from our masters? Macbeth. Call em, let me see em. First witch. Pour in sow's blood, that hath eaten her nine pharaoh, grease that sweaten from the murderer's gibbet throw into the flame. All. Come, high or low, thyself an office deathly show. Thunder. An apparition of an armed head rises. Macbeth. Tell me thou unknown power. First witch. He knows thy thought, hear his speech, but say thou not. Apparition. Macbeth. 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 Beware Macduff, beware the thane of Fife. Dismiss me. Enough. Descends. Macbeth. Whatever thou art, for thy good caution, thanks, thou hast harped my fear aright. But one word more. First witch. He will not be commanded. Here's another, more potent than the first. Thunder. An apparition of a bloody child rises. Apparition. Macbeth. 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 Had I three ears, I'd hear thee. 
apparition. Be bloody, bold, and resolute. Laugh to scorn the power of man, for none of women born shall harm Macbeth. Descends. Macbeth. Then live, Macduff, what need I fear of thee? But yet I'll make assurance double sure, and take a bond of fate. Thou shalt not live, that I may tell pale-hearted fear it lies, and sleep in spite of thunder. Thunder. An apparition of a child crown, with a tree in his hand, rises. What is this, that rises like the issue of a king, and wears upon his baby brow the round and top of sovereignty? All. Listen, but speak not to it. Apparition. Be lion-metalled, proud, and take no care who chafes, who frets, or where conspirers are. Macbeth shall never vanquished be, until great Burnham would to high Dunsinane hill shall come against him. Descends. Macbeth. That will never be. Who can impress the forest? Bid the tree unfix his earth-bound root. Sweet bodements, good. Rebellious head, rise never till the wood of Burnham rise, and our high-placked Macbeth shall live the lease of nature, pay his breath to time and mortal custom dot. Yet my heart throbs to know one thing. Tell me, if your art can tell so much, shall Banquo's issue ever reign in this kingdom? All. Seek to know no more. Macbeth. I will be satisfied. Deny me this, and an eternal curse fall on you. Let me know. Why sinks that cauldron? And what noise is this? Hobas. First witch. Show. Second witch. Show. Third witch. Show. All. Show his eyes and grieve his heart. Come like shadows, so depart. A show of eight kings appear and pass over in order, the last with a glass in his hand. Banquo following. Macbeth. Thou art too like the spirit of Banquo. Down. Thy crown does sear mine eyeballs, and thy hair, thou other gold-bound brow, is like the first. A third is like the former dot, filthy hags. Why do you show me this? A fourth, start eyes. What, will the line stretch out to th crack of doom? Another yet, a seventh, I'll see no more, and yet the eighth appears, who bears a glass which shows me many more, and some I see that twofold balls and treble scepters carry. Horrible sight, now I see tis true, for the blood-boltered Banquo smiles upon me, and points at them for his dot. What? Is this so? First witch. Aye, sir, all this is so, but why stands Macbeth thus amazedly? Come, sisters, cheer we up his sprites, and show the best of our delights. I'll charm the air to give a sound, while you perform your antic round, that this great king may kindly say, our duties did his welcome pay. Music. The witches dance and vanish. Macbeth. Where are they? Gone. Let this pernicious hour stand I accursed in the calendar. Come in, without there. Enter Lennox. 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 What's your grace's will? Macbeth. Saw you the weird sisters? Lennox. No, my lord. Macbeth. Came they not by you? Lennox. No, indeed, my lord. Macbeth. Infected be the air whereon they ride, and damned all those that trust them. I did hear the galloping of horse. Who was came by? Lennox. Tis two or three, my lord, that bring you word Macduff is fled to England. Macbeth. Fled to England? Lennox. Ay, my good lord. Macbeth. 
time thou anticipatst my dread exploits, the flighty purpose never is overtook unless the deed go with it. From this moment the very firstlings of my heart shall be the firstlings of my hand. And even now, to crown my thoughts with acts, be it thought and done, the castle of Macduff I will surprise, seize upon Fife, give to th edge th sword his wife, his babes, and all unfortunate souls that trace him in his line. No boasting like a fool, this deed I'll do before this purpose cool, but no more sights, where are these gentlemen? Come, bring me where they are. Exeunt. Scene 2. 5. A room in Macduff's castle. Enter Lady Macduff her son and Ross. Lady Macduff. Son. Ross. Lady Macduff. What had he done, to make him fly the land? Ross. You must have patience, madam. Lady Macduff. He had none. His flight was madness. When our actions do not, our fears do make us traitors. Ross. You know not whether it was his wisdom or his fear. Lady Macduff. Wisdom. To leave his wife, to leave his babes, his mansion, and his titles in a place from whence himself does fly? He loves us not. He wants the natural touch. For the poor wren, the most diminutive of birds, will fight, her young ones in her nest, against the owl. All is the fear, and nothing is the love, as little is the wisdom, where the flight so runs against all reason. Ross. My dearest cuz, I pray you, school yourself. But for your husband, he is noble, wise, judicious, and best knows the fits O.T.H. season. I dare not speak much further, but cruel are the times, when we are traitors, and do not know ourselves, when we hold rumor from what we fear, yet know not what we fear, but float upon a wild and violent sea each way and move, I take my leave of you, shall not be long but I'll be here again. Things at the worst will cease, or else climb upward to what they were before dot. My pretty cousin, blessing upon you. Lady Macduff. Fathered he is, and yet he's fatherless. Ross. I am so much a fool, should I stay longer, it would be my disgrace and your discomfort. I take my leave at once. Exit. Lady Macduff. Sarah, your father's dead. And what will you do now? How will you live? Son. As birds do, mother. Lady Macduff. What, with worms and flies? Son. With what I get I mean, and so do they. Lady Macduff. Poor bird. Thou deest he never fear the net nor lime, the pitfall nor the gin. Son. Why should I, mother? Poor birds they are not set for. My father is not dead, for all your saying. Lady Macduff. Yes, he is dead. How wilt thou do for a father? Son. Nay, how will you do for a husband? Lady Macduff. Why, I can buy me twenty at any market. Son. Then you'll buy em to sell again. Lady Macduff. Thou speak'st with all thy wit, and yet I faith, with wit enough for thee. Son. Was my father a traitor, mother? Lady Macduff. Ay, that he was. Son. What is a traitor? Lady Macduff. Why? one that swears and lies. Son. And be all traitors that do so? Lady Macduff. Every one that does so is a traitor, and must be hanged. Son. And must they all be hanged that swear and lie? Lady Macduff. Every one. Son. Who must hang them? 
Lady Macduff. Why, the honest men. Son. Then the liars and swearers are fools, for there are liars and swearers enow to beat the honest men and hang up them. Lady Macduff. Now God help thee, poor monkey. But how wilt thou do for a father? Son. If he were dead, you ld weep for him. If you would not, it were a good sign that I should quickly have a new father. Lady Macduff. Per prattler, how thou talkst. Enter a messenger. 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 Bless you, fair dame. I am not to you known, though in your state of honor I am perfect. I doubt some danger does approach you nearly. If you will take a homely man's advice, be not found here. Hence, with your little ones. To fright you thus, methinks I am too savage. To do worse to you were fell cruelty, which is too nigh your person. Heaven preserve you. I dare abide no longer. Exit. Lady Macduff. Whither should I fly? I have done no harm. But I remember now I am in this earthly world, where to do harm is often laudable. To do good sometime accounted dangerous folly. Why then, alas, do I put up that womanly defense, to say I have done no harm? What are these faces? Enter murderers. Murderers. First murderer. Where is your husband? Lady Macduff. I hope, in no place so unsanctified where such as thou mayst find him. First murderer. He's a traitor. Son. Thou least, thou shaggered villain. First murderer. What, you egg? Stabbing him. Young fry of treachery. Son. He has killed me. Mother, run away. I pray you. Dies. Exit Lady Macduff, crying. Murder! And pursued by the murderers. Lady Macduff. Scene 3. England. Before the King's Palace. Enter Malcolm and Macduff. Malcolm. Macduff. Malcolm. Let us seek out some desolate shade, and there weep our sad bosoms empty. Macduff. Let us rather hold fast the mortal sword, and like good men, bestride our downfall and birth them. Each new morn new widows howl, new orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face, that it resounds as if it felt with Scotland, and yelled out like syllable of Dola. Malcolm. What I believe, I'll wail, what no, believe, and what I can redress, as I shall find the time to friend I will. What you have spoke, it may be so, perchance. This tyrant, whose sole name blisters our tongues, was once thought honest, you have loved him well, he hath not touched you yet. I am young, but something you may deserve of him through me, and wisdom to offer up a weak, poor, innocent lamb to appease an angry god. Macduff. I am not treacherous. Malcolm. But Macbeth is. A good and virtuous nature may recoil in an imperial charge. But I shall crave your pardon. That which you are, my thoughts cannot transpose. Angels are bright still, though the brightest fell. Though all things foul would wear the brows of grace, yet grace must still look so. Macduff. I have lost my hopes. Malcolm. Perchance even there where I did find my doubts. Why in that rawness left you wife and child, those precious motives, those strong knots of love, without leave-taking, I pray you, let not my jealousies be your dishonors, but mine own safeties. You may be rightly just, whatever I shall think. Macduff. Bleed, bleed, poor country. Great tyranny, lay thou thy basis sure, for goodness dare not check thee. 
where thou thy wrongs. The title is a feared dot, fare thee well, Lord, I would not be the villain that thou thinks for the whole space that's in the tyrant's grasp and the rich east to boot. Malcolm. Be not offended. I speak not as an absolute fear of you. I think our country sinks beneath the yoke. It weeps, it bleeds, and each new day a gash is added to her wounds. I think, withal, there would be hands uplifted in my right, and here, from gracious England, have I offer of goodly thousands, but for all this, when I shall tread upon the tyrant's head, or wear it on my sword, yet my poor country shall have more vices than it had before, more suffer, and more sundry ways than ever, by him that shall succeed. Macduff. What should he be? Malcolm. It is myself I mean, in whom I know all the particulars of vice so grafted that, when they shall be opened, black Macbeth will seem as pure as snow, and the poor state esteem him as a lamb, being compared with my confineless harms. Macduff. Not in the legions of horrid hell can come a devil more damned in evils to top Macbeth. Malcolm. I grant him bloody, luxurious, avaricious, false, deceitful, sudden, malicious, smacking of every sin that has a name, but there's no bottom, none, in my voluptuousness, your wives, your daughters, your matrons, and your maids could not fill up the cistern of my lust, and my desire all continent impediments would o'erbear, that did oppose my will, better Macbeth than such an one to reign. Macduff. Boundless intemperance in nature is a tyranny. It hath been th untimely emptying of the happy throne, and fall of many kings. But fear not yet to take upon you what is yours. You may convey your pleasures in a spacious plenty, and yet seem cold, the time you may so hoodwink. We have willing dames enough. There cannot be that vulture in you, to devour so many as will to greatness dedicate themselves, finding it so inclined. Malcolm. With this there grows in my most ill-compassed affection such a staunchless avarice, that, were I king, I should cut off the nobles for their lands, desire his jewels, and this other's house, and my more having would be as a sauce to make me hunger more, that I should forge quarrels unjust against the good and loyal, destroying them for wealth. Macduff. This avarice sticks deeper, grows with more pernicious root than summer-seeming lust, and it hath been the sword of our slain kings, yet do not fear, Scotland hath foisons to fill up your will, of your mere own. All these are portable, with other graces wait. Malcolm. But I have none, the king becoming graces, as justice, verity, temperance, stableness, bounty, perseverance, mercy, lowliness, devotion, patience, courage, fortitude, I have no relish of them, but abound in the division of each several crime, acting it many ways. Nay, had I power, I should pour the sweet milk of concord into hell, uproar the universal peace, confound all unity on earth. Macduff. O Scotland, Scotland. Malcolm. If such a one be fit to govern, speak, I am as I have spoken. Macduff. Fit to govern? No, not to live dot, O nation miserable, with an untitled tyrant bloody sceptred. When shalt thou see thy wholesome days again, since that the truest issue of thy throne by his own interdiction stands accused, and does blaspheme his breed? Thy royal father was a most sainted king. The queen that bore thee, oftener upon her knees than on her feet, died every day she lived. Fare thee well. These evils thou repeatst upon thyself have banished me from Scotland. O oh, my breast, thy hope ends here. Malcolm. Macduff, 
This noble passion, child of integrity, hath from my soul wiped the black scruples, reconciled my thoughts to thy good truth and honor. Devilish Macbeth by many of these trains hath sought to win me into his power, and modest wisdom plucks me from over-credulous haste. But God above deal between thee and me. For even now I put myself to thy direction, and unspeak mine own detraction. Here abjure the taints and blames I laid upon myself, for strangers to my nature. I am yet unknown to woman, never was forsworn, scarcely have coveted what was mine own, and no time broke my faith, would not betray the devil to his fellow, and delight no less in truth than life. My first false speaking was this upon myself. What I am truly, is thine in my poor countries to command, whither, indeed, before thy here approach, old Siwid, with ten thousand warlike men, already at a point, was setting forth. Now we'll together, and the chance of goodness be like our warranted quarrel. Why are you silent? Macduff. Such welcome and unwelcome things that once tis hard to reconcile. Enter a doctor. Doctor. Malcolm. Well, more anon dot, comes the king forth, I pray you? Doctor. Aye, sir. There are a crew of wretched souls that stay his cure. Their malady convinces the great essay of art. But at his touch, such sanctity hath heaven given his hand, they presently amend. Malcolm. I thank you, doctor. Exit doctor. Doctor. Macduff. What's the disease he means? Malcolm. Tis called the evil, a most miraculous work in this good king, which often, since my here remain in England, I have seen him do. How he solicits heaven, himself best knows, but strangely visited people, all swollen and ulcers, pitiful to the eye, the mere despair of surgery, he cures, hanging a golden stamp about their necks, put on with holy prayers, and tis spoken, to the succeeding royalty he leaves the healing benediction. With this strange virtue, he hath a heavenly gift of prophecy, and sundry blessings hang about his throne, that speak him full of grace. Enter Ross. Ross. Macduff. See who comes here? Malcolm. My countryman, but yet I know him not. Macduff. My ever-gentle cousin, welcome hither. Malcolm. I know him now. Good God, betimes remove the means that makes us strangers. Ross. Sir Amen. Macduff. Stand Scotland where it did? Ross. Alas, poor country, almost afraid to know itself. It cannot be called our mother, but our grave, where nothing, but who knows nothing, is once seen to smile, where sighs and groans and shrieks that rent the air are made, not marked, where violent sorrow seems a modern ecstasy. The dead man's knell is there scarce asked for who, and good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps, dying or ere they sicken. Macduff. Oh, relation too nice, and yet too true. Malcolm. What's the newest grief? Ross. That of an hour's age doth hiss the speaker. Each minute teems a new one. Macduff. How does my wife? Ross. Why, well? Macduff. And all my children? Ross. Well, too. Macduff. The tyrant has not battered at their peace. Ross. No, they were well at peace when I did leave him. Macduff. Be not a niggard of your speech, how ghost. Ross. When I came hither to transport the tidings, which I have heavily borne, 
there ran a rumor of many worthy fellows that were out, which was to my belief witnessed the rather, for that I saw the tyrant's power afoot. Now is the time of help. Your eye in Scotland would create soldiers, make our women fight, to doff their dire distresses. Malcolm, beat their comfort we are coming thither. Gracious England hath lent us good Siwid and ten thousand men, an older and a better soldier none that Christendom gives out. Ross, would I could answer this comfort with the like. But I have words that would be held out in the desert air, where hearing should not latch them. Macduff, what concern they? The general cause? Or is it a fee grief due to some single breast? Ross, no mind that's honest but in it shares some woe though the main part pertains to you alone. Macduff. If it be mine, keep it not from me, quickly let me have it. Ross. Let not your ears despise my tongue forever, which shall possess them with the heaviest sound that ever yet they heard. Macduff. Hum. I guess at it. Ross. Your castle is surpriced, your wife and babes savagely slaughtered. To relate the manner were, on the quarry of these murdered deer, to add the death of you. Malcolm. Merciful heaven, what, man? Ne'er pull your hat upon your brows. Give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak whispers the o'erfraught heart, and bids it break. Macduff. My children too? Ross. Wife, children, servants, all that could be found. Macduff. And I must be from thence. My wife killed too. Ross. I have said. Malcolm. Be comforted. Let's make U.S. medicines of our great revenge, to cure this deadly grief. Macduff. He has no children. Dot. All my pretty ones. Did you say all, O oh Hellkite, all? What, all my pretty chickens and their dam at one fell swoop? Malcolm. Dispute it like a man. Macduff. I shall do so, but I must also feel it as a man. I cannot but remember such things were, that were most precious to me. Did heaven look on, and would not take their part? Sinful Macduff, they were all struck for thee. Not that I am, not for their own demerits, but for mine, fell slaughter on their souls. Heaven rest them now. Malcolm, be this the whetstone of your sword. Let grief convert to anger. Blunt not the heart, enrage it. Macduff. Oh, I could play the woman with mine eyes and braggart with my tongue, but gentle heavens, cut short all intermission, front to front, bring thou this fiend of Scotland and myself, within my sword's length set him, if he scape, heaven forgive him too. Malcolm, this tune goes manly. Come, go we to the king. Our power is ready, our lack is nothing but our leave. Macbeth is ripe for shaking, and the powers above put on their instruments. Receive what cheer you may. The night is long that never finds the day. Exit. Act 5. Scene I. Dunsinane. A room in the castle. Enter a doctor of physic and a waiting gentlewoman. Doctor of physic. Waiting gentlewoman. Doctor. I have two nights watched with you, but can perceive no truth in your report. When was it she last walked? Gentlewoman. Since his majesty went into the field... I have seen her rise from her bed, throw her nightgown upon her, unlock her closet, take forth paper, fold it, write upon it, read it, afterwards seal it, and again return to bed, yet all this while in a most fast sleep. Doctor. A great perturbation in nature, 
to receive at once the benefit of sleep and do the effects of watching. In this slumbery agitation, besides her walking and other actual performances, what, at any time, have you heard her say? Gentlewoman. That, sir, which I will not report after her. Doctor. You may to me, and tis most meet you should. Gentlewoman. Neither to you nor anyone, having no witness to confirm my speech. Enter Lady Macbeth with a taper. Lady Macbeth. Lo you, here she comes. This is her very guise, and upon my life fast asleep. Observe her, stand close. Doctor. How came she by that light? Gentlewoman. Why, it stood by her. She has light by her continually. Tis her command. Doctor. You see, her eyes are open. Gentlewoman. Aye, but their sense are shut. Doctor. What is it she does now? Look how she rubs her hands. Gentlewoman. It is an accustomed action with her, to seem thus washing her hands. I have known her continue in this a quarter of an hour. Lady Macbeth. Yet here's a spot. Doctor. Hark, she speaks. I will set down what comes from her, to satisfy my remembrance the more strongly. Lady Macbeth. Out damned spot. Out I say. One, two. Why, then tis time to do't. Hell is murky. Fie, my lord, fie. A soldier and a feared? What need we fear who knows it, when none can call our power to account? Yet who would have thought the old man to have had so much blood in him? Doctor. Do you mark that? Lady Macbeth. The Thane of Fife had a wife. Where is she now? What, will these hands ne'er be clean? No more o' that, my lord, no more o' that. You mar all with this starting. Doctor. Go to, go to. You have known what you should not. Gentlewoman. She has spoke what she should not. I am sure of that. Heaven knows what she has known. Lady Macbeth. Here's the smell of the blood still. All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Oh, oh, oh. Doctor. What a sigh is there. The heart is sorely charged. Gentlewoman. I would not have such a heart in my bosom for the dignity of the whole body. Doctor. Well, well, well. Gentlewoman. Pray God it be, sir. Doctor. This disease is beyond my practice, yet I have known those which have walked in their sleep, who have died wholly in their beds. Lady Macbeth. Wash your hands, put on your nightgown, look not so pale. I tell you yet again, Banquo's buried, he cannot come out on's grave. Doctor. Even so? Lady Macbeth. To bed, to bed. There's knocking at the gate. Come, 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 give me your hand. What's done cannot be undone. To bed, to bed, to bed. Exit. Doctor. Will she go now to bed? Gentlewoman. Directly. Doctor. Foul whisperings are abroad. Unnatural deeds do breed unnatural troubles. Infected minds to their deaf pillows will discharge their secrets. More needs she the divine than the physician. God, God, forgive us all. Look after her. Remove from her the means of all annoyance, and still keep eyes upon her. So, good night, my mind she has mated, and amassed my sight. I think, but dare not speak. Gentlewoman. Good night, good doctor. Excellent. Scene 2. The country near Dunsinane. Enter, 
with drum and colors Mentith, Caithness, Angus, Lennox and soldiers. Mentith, Caithness, Angus, Lennox. Mentith. The English power is near, led on by Malcolm, his uncle Siwid, and the good Macduff. Revenges burn in them, for their dear causes would to the bleeding and the grim alarm excite the mortified man. Angus. Near Burnhamwood shall we well meet them. That way are they coming. Caithness. Who knows if Denalbin be with his brother? Lennox. For certain, sir, he is not. I have a file of all the gentry. There is Siwood's son and many unrough youths, that even now protest their first of manhood. Mentith. What does the tyrant? Caithness. Great Dunsinane he strongly fortifies. Some say he's mad. Others, that lesser hate him, do call it valiant fury. But for certain, he cannot buckle his distempered cause within the belt of rule. Angus. Now does he feel his secret murder sticking on his hands. Now minutely revolts upbraid his faith breach. Those he commands move only in command, nothing in love. Now does he feel his title hang loose about him, like a giant's robe upon a dwarfish thief. Mentith. Who, then, shall blame his pestered senses to recoil and start, when all that is within him does condemn itself for being there? Caithness. Well, march we on, to give obedience where tis truly out, meet we the medicine of the sickly wheel, and with him pour we, in our country's purge each drop of us. Lennox. Or so much as it needs to do the sovereign flower, and drown the weeds. Make we our march towards Burnham. Excellent marching. Scene 3. Dunsinane. A room in the castle. Enter Macbeth, doctor and attendants. Macbeth, doctor. Macbeth. Bring me no more reports. Let them fly all, till Burnham would remove to Dunsinane I cannot taint with fear. What's the boy Malcolm? Was he not born of woman? The spirits that know all mortal consequences have pronounced me thus. Fear not, Macbeth. No man that's born of woman shall e'er have power upon thee. Then fly, false thanes, and mingle with the English epicures. The mind I sway by, and the heart I bear, shall never sag with doubt nor shake with fear. Enter a servant. Servant. The devil damn thee black, thou cream eat loon. Where gots thou that goose look? Servant. There is ten thousand. Macbeth. Geese, villain? Servant. Soldiers, sir. Macbeth. Go prick thy face and overread thy fear, thou lily-livered boy. What soldiers, patch? Death of thy soul. Those linen cheeks of thine are counselors to fear. What soldiers, wayface? Servant. The English force, so please you. Macbeth. Take thy face hence. Exit servant. Satan, I am sick at heart, when I behold, Satan, I say, this push will cheer me ever or deceit me now. I have lived long enough, my way of life is fallen into the seer, the yellow leaf, and that which should accompany old age, as honor, love, obedience, troops of friends, I must not look to have, but in their stead curses, not loud but deep, mouth honor, breath, which the poor heart would fain deny, and dare not. Satan. Enter Satan. 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 What's your gracious pleasure? Macbeth. What news more? Satan. All is confirmed, my lord, which was reported. Macbeth. I'll fight till from my bones my flesh be hacked. 
Give me my armor. Satan. Tis not needed yet. Macbeth. I'll put it on. Send out more horses, scur the country round. Hang those that talk of fear. Give me mine armor dot. How does your patient doctor? Doctor. Not so sick, my lord, as she is troubled with thick-coming fancies that keep her from her rest. Macbeth. Cure her of that. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased, pluck from the memory a rooted sorrow, raise out the written troubles of the brain, and with some sweet oblivious antidote cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff which weighs upon the heart? Doctor. Therein the patient must minister to himself. Macbeth. Throw physic to the dogs. I'll none of it. Come, put mine armor on. Give me my staff. Satan, send out dot, doctor, the thanes fly from me dot. Come, sir, dispatch dot. If thou couldst, doctor, cast the water of my land, find her disease, and purge it to a sound and pristine health, I would applaud thee to the very echo, that should applaud again dot. Pult off, I say dot, what rhubarb, senna, or what purgative drug, would scour these English hence? Hearst thou of them? Doctor. Ay, my good lord. Your royal preparation makes us hear something. Macbeth. Bring it after me, Dot. I will not be afraid of death and bane, till Burnham Forest come to Dunsinane. Excellent all except Doctor. 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 Were I from Dunsinane away and clear, profit again should hardly draw me here. Exit. Scene 4. Country near Dunsinane, a wooden view. Enter, with drum and colors Malcolm. Old Siwood and his son, Macduff, Mentith, Caithness, Angus, Lennox, Ross and soldiers, marching. Malcolm, Old Siwood. Macduff, Mentith, Caithness, Angus, Lennox, Ross. Malcolm. Cousins, I hope the days are near at hand that chambers will be safe. Mentith. We doubt it nothing. Siwood. What wood is this before us? Mentith. The wood of Burnham. Malcolm. Let every soldier hew him down a bow, and bear it before him. Thereby shall we shadow the numbers of our host, and make discovery air in report of us. Soldiers. It shall be done. Siwid. We learn no other but the confident tyrant keeps still in Dunsinane, and will endure our setting down before it. Malcolm. Tis his main hope, for where there is advantage to be given, both more and less have given him the revolt and none serve with him but constrain things, whose hearts are absent too. Macduff. Let our just censures attend the true event, and put we on industrious soldiership. Siwid. The time approaches, that will with due decision make us know what we shall say we have, and what we owe. Thoughts speculative their unsure hopes relate, but certain issue strokes must arbitrate, towards which advance the war. Excellent marching. Scene V. Dunsinane within the castle. Enter with drum and colors, Macbeth, Satan, and soldiers. Macbeth, Satan. Macbeth. Hang out our banners on the outward walls. The cry is still. They come! Our castle's strength will laugh a siege to scorn. Here let them lie till famine and the ague eat them up. Were they not forked with those that should be ours, we might have met them dareful, beard to beard, and beat them backward home. A cry of women within. What is that noise? Satan. It is the cry of women, my good lord. Exit. Macbeth. I have almost forgot the taste of fears. The time has been, 
My senses would have cooled to hear a night shriek, and my fell of hair would at a dismal treatise rouse and stir as life were int. I have supped full with horrors, direness, familiar to my slaughterous thoughts, cannot once start me. Enter Satan. Satan. Wherefore was that cry? Satan. The queen, my lord, is dead. Macbeth. She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, creeps in this petty pace from day to day, to the last syllable of recorded time, and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player, that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Enter a messenger. Messenger. Thou comes to use thy tongue, thy story quickly. Messenger. Gracious my lord, I should report that which I say I saw, but know not how to do't. Macbeth. Well say, sir. Messenger. As I did stand my watch upon the hill, I looked toward Burnham, and anon, methought, the wood began to move. Macbeth. Liar, and slave. Messenger. Let me endure your wrath, if be not so. Within this three mile may you see it coming. I say, a moving grove. Macbeth. If thou speak'st false, upon the next tree shalt thou hang alive, till famine cling thee. If thy speech be sooth, I care not if thou dost for me as much dot. I pull in resolution, and begin to doubt th equivocation of the fiend, that lies like truth. Fear not, till Burnham would do come to Dunsinane. And now a wood comes toward Dunsinane. Arm, arm, and out. If this which he avouches does appear, there is nor flying hence nor tarrying here. I gin to be a weary of the sun, and wish th estate o th world were now undone. Ring the alarum bell, blow, wind. Come, rack. At least we'll die with harness on our back. Exit. Scene 6. The same. A plain before the castle. Enter, with drum and colors, Malcolm, Old Siwid, Macduff and their army, with bows. Malcolm, Old Siwid, Macduff. Malcolm. Now near enough. Your leafy screens throw down, and show like those you are dot, you, worthy uncle, shall with my cousin, your right noble son, lead our first battle, worthy Macduff, and we shall take upon us what else remains to do, according to our order. Siwid. Fare you well, Dot. Do we but find the tyrant's power tonight, let us be beaten, if we cannot fight. Macduff. Make all our trumpets speak, give them all breath, those clamorous harbingers of blood and death. Exit. Scene 7. The same. Another part of the plain. Alarums. Enter Macbeth. 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 They have tied me to a stake. I cannot fly. But bear like I must fight the coarse dot. What's he that was not born of woman? Such a one am I to fear or none. Enter young Siwid. Siwid. Young Siwid. What is thy name? Macbeth. Thou elt be afraid to hear it. Young Siwid. No, though thou callst thyself a hotter name than any is in hell. Macbeth. My name's Macbeth. Young Siwid. The devil himself could not pronounce a title more hateful to mine ear. Macbeth. No, nor more fearful. Young Siwid. Thou least abhorred tyrant. With my sword I'll prove the lie thou speak'st. 
They fight, and young Siwit is slain. Siwit. Macbeth. Thou wast born of woman. But swords I smile at, weapons laugh to scorn, brandished by man that's of a woman born. Exit. Alarums. Enter Macduff. 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 That way the noise is dot. Tyrant, show thy face. If thou beest slain and with no stroke of mine, my wife and children's ghosts will haunt me still. I cannot strike at wretched kerns, whose arms are hired to bear their staves. Either thou, Macbeth, or else my sword, with an unbattered edge I sheathe again undaid. There thou shouldst be, by this great clatter, one of greatest notes seems brooded. Let me find him, fortune, and more I beg not. Exit. Alarums. Enter Malcolm and old Siwid. Malcolm. Siwid. Siwid. This way, my lord, the castles gently rendered, the tyrant's people on both sides do fight. The noble thanes do bravely in the war, the day almost itself professes yours, and little is to do. Malcolm. We have met with foes that strike beside us. Siwid. Enter, sir, the castle. Exeunt. Alarums. Scene 8. The same. Another part of the field. Enter Macbeth. 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 Why should I play the Roman fool, and die on mine own sword? Whiles I see lives, the gashes do better upon them. Enter Macduff. 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 Turn, hellhound, turn. Macbeth. Of all men else I have avoided thee, but get thee back. My soul is too much charged with blood of thine already. Macduff. I have no words. My voice is in my sword. Thou bloodier villain than terms can give thee out. They fight. Macbeth. Thou losest labor. As easy mayst thou the entrenchant air with thy keen sword impress, as make me bleed. Let fall thy blade on vulnerable crests. I bear a charmed life which must not yield to one of woman born. Macduff. Despair thy charm, and let the angel whom thou still hast served tell thee, Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Macbeth. Accursed be that tongue that tells me so, for it hath cowed my better part of man. And be these juggling fiends no more believed, that palter with us in a double sense, that keep the word of promise to our ear, and break it to our hope, I'll not fight with thee. Macduff. Then yield thee, coward, and live to be the show and gaze O.T.H. time. We'll have thee, as our rarer monsters are, painted upon a pole, and under it. Here may you see the tyrant. Macbeth. I will not yield, to kiss the ground before young Malcolm's feet, and to be baited with the rabble's curse. Though Burnham would be come to Dunsinane, and now Oppo's, being of no woman born, yet I will try the last. Before my body I throw my warlike shield. Leon, Macduff, and Dan be him that first cries. Hold enough! Excellent fighting. Alarums. Retreat. Flourish. Enter, with drum and colors, Malcolm, Old Siwid, Ross, Thanes and soldiers. Malcolm, Old Siwid, Ross. Malcolm. I would the friends we miss were safer ribbed. Siwid. Some must go off, and yet by these I see, so great a day as this is cheaply bought. Malcolm. Macduff is missing, and your noble son. Ross. Your son, my lord, has paid a soldier's debt. He only lived but till he was a man, 
the witch no sooner had his prowess confirmed in the unshrinking station where he fought, but like a man he died. Siwit. Then he is dead? Flance. Aye, and brought off the field. Your cause of sorrow must not be measured by his worth, for then it hath no end. Siwit. Had he his hurts before? Ross. Aye on the front. Siwit. Why then, God's soldier be he. Had I as many sons as I have hairs, I would not wish them to a fair death, and so his knell is knolled. Malcolm. He's worth more sorrow, and that I'll spend for him. Siwit. He's worth no more. They say he parted well and paid his score, and so, God be with him, here comes newer comfort. Enter Macduff with Macbeth's head. Macduff. Macduff. Hail, king, for so thou art. Behold, where stands th usurper's cursed head, the time is free. I see thee compass with thy kingdom's pearl, that speak my salutation in their minds, whose voices I desire aloud with mine, hail, king of Scotland. All. Hail, king of Scotland. Flourish. Malcolm. We shall not spend a large expense of time before we reckon with your several loves, and make us even with you. My thanes and kinsmen, henceforth be earls, the first that ever Scotland in such an honor nommed. What's more to do, which would be planted newly with the time, as calling home our exiled friends abroad, that fled the snares of watchful tyranny, producing forth the cruel ministers of this dead butcher, and his fiend-like queen, who, as tis thought, by self and violent hands took off her life. This, and what needful else that calls upon us, by the grace of grace, we will perform in measure, time, and place. So thanks to all at once, and to each one, whom we invite to see us crowned at Scone. Flourish. Excellent.